whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Good evening. Welcome to Victor Christian Fellowship and Wednesday Night Refreshing. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you have prepared a table before us. And Lord, there's so many good things on that table. We give you thanks and praise for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we just exalt you in this place tonight and give you all the glory and all the praise for you to do what only you can do, Lord. We love you and appreciate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Lord, your word assures us that you are here. And we thank you for speaking to us. Change in your life begins with a seed, an incorruptible seed that's planted in your heart, that's watered by my word, and it grows into something big and glorious and great. I'm planting in you tonight seeds of change and seeds of greatness that will be fruitful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. So glad that you're here tonight. Tonight's your night. Tonight's a special night. And uh, yes, it's a Wednesday, but it's not just a Wednesday. It's more than that. Hallelujah. And if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome to you as well. Glory to God. Well, I want to read to you a scripture from Mark chapter 12 and uh, verse uh, 41. Do you like increase? If you need increase in your life, it starts with something very small. And God takes something that's very small and he multiplies it. And uh, in Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Mark 12, verse 41, it said, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Would that make you nervous? If you saw Jesus, you know what? He sits in heaven watching it. Amen. He was watching people put in money to the treasury. He was observing. And many who were rich put in much. Everybody say, the rich put in much. Jesus didn't stop him. And... uh, Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes, which make a quadrant. I want to read this uh, definition of what these uh, mites are. And uh, a mite is the least valuable Roman coin, which amounted to only one sixty-fourth of a day's wages for a laborer, traditionally called the widow's mite. So one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. 
What do we know about this woman? We know that she was poor and she was a widow. But she's about to break out of poverty. She's about to break loose from poverty chains. How did she do it? So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more, everybody say more, than all those who have given to the treasury. Why? She gave it all. The others gave out of their surplus. He said this, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Everybody say her whole livelihood. This is all that she had. But how many know that when you give God all, you're going to touch God's heart. Jesus' heart was touched. And he wrote this account in the book for us to know, for us to remember. And uh, you can't outgive God. And I'm sure that this woman was no longer known as a poor widow after this. I don't know how the Lord uh, did it, but we know that he did it. Amen? Amen? Anything that the Lord takes notice of, he's going to bless and reward. He said those that diligently seek him, know that you got to know that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So... In your giving tonight, you can give any time during the service. We have our uh, containers there as you come in. Uh, and if you're giving, if, if you're online and you want to give, you can uh, do that through our website. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise for the givers of VCF. Lord, I call them blessed. And Lord, what they sow, you make it grow. And you cause increase to come to them in great measure. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said... Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have an exciting week this week. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 6 p.m., we are going to be hosting uh, Ben Lim. We're just actually letting him use our building. And uh, he's going to be here to awaken the harvest. He's a pastor out of uh, California uh, and a revivalist. So he'll be here uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, the doors will be open at 5, so uh, I encourage you to come out and uh, be a part of that. It's going to be a great time, so praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to get our fill. Amen? You know, when you're hungry and thirsty, you get full. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, we have in the kids' life tonight. All right, we got our kids for Kids Live, Kids Living in Faith every day. So we're going to dismiss you now to go to your class. So kids, have a great class. Be super blessed. Amen. Well, you're here tonight because God wants you here. And he's got some great things that he's going to do tonight. If you need a change in your life, the Lord scheduled a change for you tonight. Why do I say that? Because he put on my heart tonight to talk to you about Christ, the catalyst of change. Everybody say Christ. That's not the last name of Jesus. It is his position and title of Messiah. Amen? 
And uh, I heard a minister preach a message. He said, Christ is the master of all crises. He doesn't manage crises. He masters crises. Ever faced a crisis? A situation where an emergency was occurring or you had to make a decision and it was a very important decision and it's crisis time? Well, Christ is the master of crises. He doesn't manage them. He masters them. He, he gives divine solutions. He solves problems, all kinds of problems, physical problems, spiritual problems, financial problems, mental problems, social problems. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So I wrote some things down. Christ is capable of destroying yokes and removing burdens. He's capable of destroying yokes and removing burdens. If something is yoked to you or you're yoked to it, that means you don't control where you're going. You don't control the direction because you're in this yoke. This yoke hinders movement. But then Christ comes along and he destroys the yoke and he removes the burden so you can be free. Amen? Christ is how we identify with the crucified life. You know, God made it possible for us to be in Christ. If you're in Christ, how many are in Christ? You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. How do you get in Christ? You get in Christ by inviting Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your heart. It's very easy to get in Christ. It's harder to stay in Christ. Easy to get in, harder to stay in. Amen? But how many know, once you get in, God wants you to stay in. He wants you to stay hooked up to the anointed one. He wants you to stay up, hooked, hooked up to his power, hooked up to his person. Hallelujah. Christ is the key to operating in a new realm. When you get in Christ, you are exposed to the supernatural. You're exposed to the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. You get into a new realm. Right? Before Christ, you were just in the natural realm. Unless you were in the occult, and then you were in the spiritual realm, but that's the wrong kind of spiritual realm. Right? Christ gives us power and ability to function in that new realm. You know, Jesus told his disciples to tell people, God, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's close. And all you got to do, faith is the entrance to the faith is the entrance to the kingdom of God. Go with me to Matthew chapter sixteen. Matthew chapter sixteen, and we're going to talk about Christ being the catalyst for change. Hallelujah! Guess what? If you don't like change, too bad. Change is going to happen. How many know change happens, whether you want to participate in it or not? It's much easier if you participate. See, I'm here to participate in my change. Because when you change for God, you're changing for good. Any change that you make for God is a good change. It'll bless you. It'll help you. It'll enhance your life. It'll make you better. 
And when you meet Christ, you can't stay the same. When, when Christ stood in front of the grave of Lazarus, he couldn't stay in there any longer. When, when, when the woman with the issue of blood encountered Christ, she couldn't stay bleeding anymore. When the centurion encountered Christ, his servant couldn't stay sick anymore. When we encounter Christ, it opens the door to possibilities. Amen? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. He says this. You know, Jesus was asking, you know, people, you know, who do the people say that I am? And they, they gave a few examples. But then he said, who do you say that I am? And without thinking... Peter, who was a student in the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association, college, right? He was studying to be an apostle. And uh, he was with Professor Jesus. He was getting hands-on training and insight into the kingdom of God and how to function in his position. Amen? And Simon Peter, he answered the question... And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Peter was attending class. He was a good student, right? And his professor asks a question, and he answers the question without having to look it up in a book, without having to ask someone else. The, 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 the answer to the question was given to him by God. Say, God speaks to me. Does God speak to you? Oh, yeah, because you know what? He's all about relationship. Everything that God did was for you and I to have a relationship with him. Talk with him, hang out with him, fellowship with him, commune with him, laugh with him. You know, God's a good laughing buddy. And when you're sorrowful, he'll wipe your tears. Right? Say, it's all about relationship. Jesus, the professor. He recognized that Peter got this information from, directly from God. It just popped into him. It just came into He just knew the answer. Amen. That's how revelation works. Revelation is getting an answer on the spot that you didn't know a minute before. It's revelation. And that's how God does. God reveals himself. What's the primary way that God reveals himself to us? The word of God. That's the primary way. Right? This is Jesus. This is God. This, these are God's words. These are not man's words. These are not man's way of doing things. This is God's way of doing things. This is the handbook for the kingdom. This is the handbook for success. These are living words. These are life-changing words. 
These are illuminating words. These are words that when you get them inside of you, you become a different person. I like when the prophet Samuel told Saul before he was king, he said, you're going to encounter a group of prophets and they're going to prophesy and the spirit of God's going to come on you and you're going to become a different man. How'd you like to become a different man or woman tonight? You're not changing gender. You're just becoming different. You get the gender you're born with. Because God doesn't make mistakes. So, Peter got this revelation of who Christ is. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the one who was anointed as Savior of the world. He was the one who was going to repair the gap between God and man. He was the one. Whom God sent. And Peter got this information. And uh, so he is Christ. He is the son of the living God. It's the Greek word Christos. It's the, for the Hebrew word Messiah. Christ and Messiah are the same thing. Hallelujah. He is the anointed one. Say anointed. When you know Christ, you know the anointing. The anointing is the invisible power of God that makes things happen. It's the heat on the stove. It's the wave of the microwave that pops the popcorn. It's the, it's the, the anointing is the invisible power of God. It's the catalyst for change. You can't change on your own. You need a catalyst. You need something to come in you to spark the change, to ignite the change, to initiate the change. And that's the anointing. The anointing initiates change. Why? Because the anointing doesn't want to see you remain the same. The anointing has got better things for you, bigger things for you, brighter things for you. Hallelujah. Say, I'm getting bigger. I'm getting better. And I'm getting brighter. You know, Proverbs 4.18 says, the, uh, our light in Christ gets brighter and brighter as the noonday sun. You ought to be getting brighter. Amen? And you don't even need to plug in a battery. You just need to hang out with Christ, who is the light of the world. So... Christ is the catalyst to change. Anyone who got around Christ changed. And if they didn't want to change, they didn't get around Christ. Because Christ offered a positive change to everyone who encountered him. He calls us to a better life, to a higher life, to a better way of living. To an abundant life. Christ calls us to an abundant life. He said, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Everybody say more abundantly. That's a too much overflowing rich life. God wants every believer to have an abundant life. 
A life that's full and rich. And that you have more than enough to take care of God's work, to take care of you, and to help others. Amen? Why? God's in the people business. So, Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Living One, the Anointed One, hallelujah. Who is Christ to you? See, here's the thing. You need a revelation of who he is, because when you know who he is, you know what he can do. Christ's ability are in who he is. Savior saves. Healer heals. Deliverer delivers. Prince of Peace, peace giver. Amen? Who he is is what he does. They're one and the same. And when you know him as Christ, you can know him as anything that you need in your life. Glory to God. It's a position of authority. Believing in Jesus Christ means you believe that he's the Savior that God sent to this world. He is who he said he was. He proved it time and time again. He proved it by what he did. He proved it by rising from the dead. He proved it by giving his life as a sacrifice. He proved who he was. He is the Christ. He is the only Christ. He's the one who's here to help. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the life of the party. He is the giver of good things. He is Lord of all. Hallelujah. Believing that Jesus is the Christ is believing the gospel. Good news. Everybody say good news. I've got some good news. Your faith in Christ brings you to God and it brings his anointing to you. There's an exchange happen when you believe God. When you put your faith in God, you get, you get upgraded. You've been upgraded to first class. You didn't even have to do anything. You just believed in him. You believed that, you believed that, uh, you believed that he said, uh, let me say this correctly. You believe in who he said he was. You believed in what he said he can do. You just simply believe it. You take him at his word and you're confident, you're trusting, you're for certain, you're assured that that's is. That's the only way it can be. Amen? That's what it means to believe. So it brings the anointing to you. Glory to God. You have to believe that Christ is true. Believe in Christ and be true to him, even in opposition. Knowing who Christ is has nothing to do with how you feel. Because oftentimes your feelings will disagree with who Christ is. 
you've got to be able to override your feelings. Knowing who Christ is is not based on opinions. You can't even take the word of specialists. Guess what? Christ will show you who he is to, to yourself, every individual. And when you get a revelation of who Christ is, you accept him. See, I'll, yeah, I'll take that. Right? Because I've tasted it and it is good. Hallelujah. All right. I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. Actually, we're going to start with verse 24. Isaiah 10 verse 24. Hallelujah. Are you excited about tonight? If you didn't come prepared to change, don't worry. God already made preparations for you. <laughs> By accept, all you need to do is change is, is accept what he says about you as the absolute truth. Because he knows best. Isaiah 10, 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people... Who dwell in Zion. He's talking about Jerusalem, but Zion is also a type of the church. Amen? Do not be afraid of the Assyrian. The Assyrian represents anybody that would attack you. Anybody that would oppose you. Anybody that would come against you. Everybody say, don't be afraid. You can call the Assyrian whatever one. Don't be afraid of cancer. Don't be afraid of terminal illness. Don't be afraid of lack. Why? We have a Jehovah Jireh. We have a healer, a Jehovah Rophe. Amen? Don't be afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid of the Assyrian. All right? He shall strike you with a rod... And lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. What did Egypt do to Israel? Egypt oppressed Israel. Egypt enslaved Israel. Uh, Egypt held Israel captive. This is what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to enslave you into sin. He makes sin look so good, taste so good, feel so good, but it's only for a season. Because once you get into it, you realize, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? It is a trap. He'll raise up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. There was a time when Egypt refused to let God's people go until Christ came on the scene. And it was the work of Christ It was the work of God, working through Moses, doing miracles, performing signs that let God's people go. He rescued them out of bondage. So if you're in bondage tonight, tonight is your rescue night. Tonight is your deliverance night. Tonight is your set free night. Now, the devil is subtle, and the Syrian can come in the form of sickness. And Assyrian can come in the form of depression. And Assyrian can come in these different forms. 
But we're not to be afraid. Why? We got the power over the Assyrian. Amen? We got the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 25. For yet a very little while, and the indignation will cease. Oh, my goodness. The pain will cease. The hurt will cease. The depression will cease. Glory to God. Are you looking forward to it? it? And guess what? It's in the realm of now. Not tomorrow. Now. Why? Faith is now. Everybody say, faith is now. Miracles are now. The minute you believe God's word, you enter into the realm of now. The minute you become assured of what God said is for you, assured that it's the absolute truth, assured that it's the only way to go, you've entered into the realm of now. Amen? You're in the arena. Okay? The indignation will cease and my anger in their... And, and uh, as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. That's where uh, Gideon destroyed Oreb and Zeb on a rock. Hallelujah. Guess what? God's about to turn the table on your enemy. God's about to turn the table on your opponent. God's about to turn the table on your attacker. See, the devil thought he had you by attacking you, but God's about to turn the attack on him and set you free. And his rod was on the sea. What did God do for the sea? He opened it up for Israel to walk through. He closed it for Egypt when they tried to walk through. You know, in one moment at the Red Sea, the entire Egyptian uh, chariot force was destroyed. They were rendered useless and ineffective. The chariots were a weapon against Israel. The weapon was formed, but it had no power against Israel. No weapon formed against me shall what? Prosper. The, Egypt, the Egyptians thought they could attack, but their attack was rendered ineffective. Hallelujah. Why? The Red Sea closed on them. Okay? So will he lift up in the manner of Egypt. Verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day, so that, say that day is now, that his burden shall be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Some translations say the yoke will be destroyed because of the fatness. See, the fatness speaks of the anointing. You get stronger than the yoke that is on you. You get stronger than the chains that have bound you. You get stronger than the restriction that the enemy thought he had on you. Say, my yoke is being removed. Or my, my yoke is being destroyed. And my burden is being removed. That's why we say the yoke destroying, burden removing power of God. It destroys yokes. That means you can't use that yoke anymore because it's destroyed. It's shattered in pieces. And that means that heavy load that you've been carrying, you don't carry anymore. Your load gets lighter because the burden is removed. God's burden is always light. He said it himself in Matthew 11. Not going to go there for time. If you, if you feel like you have a heavy burden, it didn't come from God. 
It either came from the enemy or you. You mean me? Yeah. Choices. You know, the choices you make have consequences. The decisions that you make have consequences. And if you make a bad decision, you get bad consequences. Why do you want that to happen? We should have made a better decision. Amen? Let me read this from the New Living Translation. So this is what... So this is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies says. <laughs> the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the captain of the host of it. Joshua saw this man with the flaming sword. He said, are you with us? Or first? He said, I'm the captain of the host of the army of God. Say, I got a captain. <laughs> and he's not Captain America. He's Captain Jesus. So this is what the Lord of heaven, this is the New Living Translation, starting with verse 24. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Oh, my people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Syrians when they oppress you with rod and club as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while, my anger against you will end. The anger will rise up and destroy them. The Lord of heaven's armies will lash them with his whip. (laughs) He will whip your enemy when the enemy messes with you, all right? Uh, or when the Lord's staff was raised uh, to drown the Egyptian army at the sea. Verse 27. In the day the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you ready for your yoke to be lifted? And your burden to be removed? Glory to God. You know, sickness can bring a yoke and a burden. Right? You become a slave to medicine. You become a slave to this or that. And it steals your time. It steals your money. It steals your energy. Right? Sickness is not a welcome guest. Start by don't claiming ownership of your sickness. Don't say my sickness. Put return to sender on it. Don't accept it. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get in fear, get in faith. Put your faith in Christ. Focus on Christ. Let Christ fit you with his anointing, glory, and power. Did you know that you have armor that's been perfectly fitted for you? And that armor helps you stand against the wiles of the enemy. Hallelujah. Everybody say, put faith in Christ. You got to put your put focus on Christ. And let Christ fit you. Come on, let's say that. Say, have faith in Christ. Christ. Say, focus on Christ. And let Christ fit you. you. Why? You you have a robe of righteousness, right? You have a garment of praise. He even tells you, you can actually put on Christ. New Testament says, put on, put off the old man and put on Christ. Boy, you look good in Christ. We can put on Christ. We can put on the anointing. If anyone or anything tries to oppress you, overpower you, or overrun you, stand your ground trusting God because he'll get you through. You will not be overrun, you will not be overpowered, and you will not be overwhelmed. You will not be oppressed. Amen? Amen. Why? You got the anointing. You have Christ. Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where is Christ? He is in you. You've got the anointing in you. Let's start using it. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Ask the anointing. He's right there. What do you want me to do? He'll give you the solution. Yes. Moses didn't know what he wanted. Moses didn't know what he, he needed to do. He heard, the, he heard the, the hoof of the horses and the chariots. And he saw the Red Sea. What are you going to do? Moses, what's in your hand? Oh, staff. Put it over the waters. Okay. Oh, look, there's a doorway and a hidden path. Moses didn't know that the staff in his hand was a key. He could have opened the door. See, Moses didn't have the anointing in him. He had it on him. But we have it in us. You have the solution already in you. You have the direction you need to go already in you. You have the the wisdom to make the right choice already in you. But the problem is, we consult our feelings. And our feelings have a bigger voice than the anointing. You know, your feelings will never lead you to the right path. Because your feelings are fickle. They change quickly. Right? I mean, your feelings could be like a amusement park ride. Here's your park ride. Welcome to the feelings coaster. It'll take you up, down, all around, upside down, any which way you can. Right? How many know your feelings change? So if you're consulting your feelings to make the decision, you're consulting, you have the wrong consultants. You got to fire that consulting firm. And you got to go with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost Incorporated. Hallelujah. Christ overthrows all that will oppress you, hurt you, steal from you, harm you, or seek to kill and destroy you. Christ will overthrow. Christ is greater. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You can take on the world and win. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Say, I have victorious faith in me. Did you know that victorious faith is not wimpy? There was a time in David's life when he was a shepherd. But as a shepherd, he killed a lion and a bear. But in his future, he was going to face a giant. So how did God prepare him for the giant, the anointing? Samuel came along, and in 1 Samuel 16, 13, he anointed David. And when the anointing, when he said, the Bible says, when he anointed David, the spirit of the Lord came on him mightily from that time forward. So when he went to the battlefield, he was not just a shepherd, he was an anointed shepherd. And the anointing is designed to whip, to beat every opponent, everything that opposes the anointing. It can take it, it can whip it. Whip it good. 
So David was just delivering bread and cheese, but he had something different on the inside of him. It was the anointing. And when the anointing heard the giant speak against God, it stirred up. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I have a covenant with God. He has no covenant with God. He is already defeated. It was a giant who intimidated an entire army for 40 days. The words of the giant, the intimidation of the giant, the fear of the giant paralyzed an entire army for 40 days. It took someone with the anointing to change the atmosphere, to change the situation. He walked onto that battlefield. He heard the words of that giant. He said, oh, it's on. Everybody say, it's on. And he said, okay, what is the person going to get who kills that giant? Oh, you're going to get to marry the king's daughter. Your family won't have to pay taxes, and you're going to be rich. That sounds to me like a fight worth fighting for. Right? Then... His brother, his oldest brother, who was a soldier who was paralyzed by fear. His brother didn't want his little shepherd boy showing him up. So he tried to intimidate David. He said, what are you doing with those little sheep? And David said, what are you doing not facing the giant? That's what I was, no, I don't know. David should have just fired right back at him, right? But he said, is there not a cause? Say, there's a cause. You, you have been anointed for a cause. You, you've been chosen to live during this time because God knew that you could handle it. God knew that you, he fit you and equipped you with the right things that you need to overcome this atmosphere that we're in. We just have to turn our complaints into praise. We have to turn our laziness into diligence. And we have to start trusting in the anointed one. Looking to him, focusing on him. So David with the anointing, (laughs) he rocked that giant to sleep. Right? That was the anointing. Because he was anointed in 16 and he faced the giant in 17. Hallelujah. So the anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. You know what they said of David after he was anointed? You can read it in 1 Samuel 16. Pull it up, uh, verse, verses 14 to 23. I'm just going to give them to you, but you, you can look them up. You, all right? The anointing enhances courage because they said David was brave. The anointing increases skill because they said he was a skillful player. Right? Skill is not enough to destroy yokes and remove birds. You need skill plus the anointing. Right? Okay? Uh, David had the ability to kill a lion, but he needed the anointing to kill a giant. All right? The anointing brings understanding. They said David was competent. Right? The anointing makes you a fierce warrior. The Amplified described David as a warrior. He was a shepherd, but he was a warrior. 
we got some warriors here. Amen? The anointing enables you to discern gifts of the Spirit, right? When you're anointed, you open up to the gifts of the Spirit, discerning the spirits. The anointing makes you look good. They said David was handsome. Say, the anointing makes me look good. Yeah. What do you think Esther was doing soaking in oil? She was soaking in the anointing. She soaked in the anointing so long that the king said, boy, you are my queen. Amen? She soaked in the oil so long that she became the queen. She came out of that oil pit looking like a queen. Slick. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Hallelujah. So the anointing liberates. The anointing heals. The anointing frees, it restores, it energizes, it overcomes, and it proclaims. Hallelujah. Go with me to Isaiah 61. Look at Isaiah 61 for a minute. Hallelujah. Mm. Are you ready for change? Ready or not, here it comes. Because when the anointing hits you, (laughs) you're going to change. You ain't going to stay the same. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has what? Anointed me. Everything that he lists there, the anointing does. To preach good news. Thank God that you're sitting in a place with an anointed preacher. I've been anointed to do this. Amen? To preach good tidings to the poor. To, to heal the brokenhearted. The anointing can heal your broken heart. The anointing can heal your broken body. If your heart's broken, it can heal. If your mind's broken, it can heal it. Amen? If your bone's broken, it can heal it. The anointing evicts arthritis. The anointing casts out diabetes. Why? It breaks, it specializes in breaking yokes. Any restriction, any hindrance that your body is under, it can be broken through the anointing of God. And that burden can be removed. And God can set you free. Did you know that after the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, he didn't say, take two touches and call me in the morning. One touch was good enough. Amen? One encounter with the anointing can do the job. Right now, tonight, the job can be done. Complete, whole. Okay. My goodness. All right. Um, Go with me to uh, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. Somebody met the anointing for the first time and it was a catalyst for change. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John they went up together to VCF at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried 
whom they laid daily. Everybody say daily. daily. Was this the first time that they saw this lame man? Probably not. Why didn't they do something about it before? Because the anointing. Now they were anointed with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that anointing makes things different. It changes your perspective. It increases your boldness. The anointing makes you fearless. Hallelujah. Say, I'm fearless and bold. Glory to God. All right? So, to ask alms, right, verse 3, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. You have not because you ask not. And fixing his eyes on him. <laughs> the anointing is a heat seeker. He was locked on. Peter fixed his eyes, because why? He felt on the inside something stirring. There's a catalyst. Something's bubbling up. I feel the heat. He, he was feeling something. And his eyes locked on to this man who was bound, who had a yoke and a burden. And he couldn't bear it himself. People had to set him in this place to beg for money. God, God didn't mean for you to beg. David said in the Psalms, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging for bread. We're not beggars. Why? We are princes. We are kings and priests in the house. We are children of God. you got to see yourself as a child of God. Verse 4, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention to he gave his uh, he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Everybody say something. If you tell someone who's begging to look at you, what do you think they're expecting? He's about to unload some cash on me, right? I feel the blessing coming on, <laughs> right? Okay. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Doesn't, he just left his wallet in the upper room. Okay? But what, but what I do have. Everybody say, what I do have. He had something on the inside. He had something that was given to him. He had something that was flowing through him. He had something that was bubbling up in him. He had something that was ready to burst out from him. Why? It came from the upper room. It came from heaven. It came from God. God anoints you with fresh oil. He anoints you with joy. He anoints you with gladness. Hallelujah. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the son of God, in the name of Jesus, the living one, in the name of Jesus, the savior. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. The anointing gets carried away. Whoa. He just picked him up. Come on. All right? And 
immediately his feet and his ankle bones, what? Where did that strength come from? It came from the anointing that was on Peter. How was that anointing activated? Because he used the name of Jesus Christ. That's the catalyst for change. You want to change your life? Jesus Christ is the way. You want to change your direction? Jesus Christ is the way. He's the catalyst for change. Hallelujah. So, verse 8, he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple. He entered VCF. With them walking, leaping, and praising God. He was feeling good. He, he wasn't just, he wasn't sneaking in. He was walking, leaping, and praising God. Ever say walking, leaping, and praising God. That's three levels. Three levels. How do you come to church? Walking, leaping, and praising God. He didn't, he didn't enter church with his head down. He didn't enter church with a frown on his face. He entered walking, leaping, and praising God. He was excited. He was joyful. He was exuberant. Couldn't keep it to himself. Couldn't, couldn't keep him down. Why? When you encounter Christ, expect a change to happen. His physical body changed. His bondage was broken. For the first time in his life, since he was born, he was able to walk and leap and praise God. He couldn't do that before. He couldn't do that, but he encountered the anointing. He, he met Peter and John. Who, they had a double anointing. That's a double-double. Peter and John, they both were anointed. That's a double-double. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Hallelujah. All the people saw. See, the anointing, it's not afraid to do what it does in front of people. The anointing doesn't take place in secret. It does things in the open. It's open season. It's open season for the believer. It's open season. Change is on the menu tonight. I'd like to order change with a side of change and with some extra change, please. Amen? Do you have anything else? No, we're serving change tonight. Change loaf, change burger, change fries, change mashed potatoes. It's all changed tonight. Hallelujah. What makes a difference? It's the anointing. All right? So, verse 10 They knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. See, when the anointing meets something beautiful, something glorious happens. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. They didn't know how he got this way because he was there how often? Daily. He was there daily. People saw him daily. People got used to say, hey, hey, John, how's it going? They're going to the temple to pray. Hey, John, nice to see you again today. Hey, John, today's your day. It's change day. He was hoping for money, but God gave him something more. He didn't have to beg anymore. He didn't have to have someone sit him down anymore. He didn't have to have someone change him anymore. Why? He was completely restored by the anointing. Okay? And... uh Go down to verse 13. 
All right? Uh, well, verse 12 says, so when Peter uh, saw it, you know, they, they were thinking that they were gods, right? When Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look intently as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Notice that phrase, his servant Jesus. That's another name for anointed one. His servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied by the presence of, in the presence of Pilate when he was uh, determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One, another name for Jesus, Holy One, right? And the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life. Everybody say the Prince of Life. That's another name for the Anointed One. Hallelujah. Whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man so. His name and faith in his name. Faith activates the anointing. If you've got faith, you've got the anointing, it's ready to go. That faith starts the anointing. Faith gets the anointing going. Just like starting, you put your key in the ignition, and you turn it on, and your engine starts. Hallelujah. Why does your engine start? Because you've got power under the hood. It's called a battery. The battery produces a spark. It, it touches the fuel, right? And I don't even, I'm not even a mechanic. The ignition starts a spark from the battery. It ignites the fuel and then the carburetor, whatever, and the engine starts and it runs. And then while the engine runs, it, it supplies power to the battery. So it, it's perpetual. Oh, when you're praising God, you're, you're sending, you're strengthening the anointing. When you're praying to God, you're strengthening the anointing. When you're studying the word, you're strengthening the anointing. When you're worshiping God, you're strengthening the anointing. It's perpetual, like that engine running. Amen? Don't unplug from the anointing. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I didn't even get to half of what I had here. Hallelujah. All right. Go down to verse 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that the Christ would suffer. He had to suffer. Why? That was the only way that he could pay for sin. Christ had to suffer. He has thus fulfilled, repent therefore and be converted. A conversion is a change. What is repentance? It's recognizing that you need to change. Maybe you need to change the course of your life. Maybe you need to change the direction you're going. Why? Because there's harm there that you can't see. There's things that you can't see that God can see, and he wants you to avoid it. He doesn't want you to end up there. And he's calling out. He's trying to stop you from going that way. But you've got to listen to him. You've got to listen to the voice. You know, if you're about to board a plane, and you get a check in your spirit that... Something's wrong with that plane. Don't get on that plane. Listen to that. Why? You don't know what could happen to that plane. I heard a testimony of a guy who was driving down the highway. 
He was singing in tongues. He was praying in tongues, right? And then, you know, the Bible says pray that you, ask, you, can, pray, ask, you can pray that you might interpret the tongue, right? Second, first Corinthians 14. And uh, out of his mouth said, you better pull over. He's praying in tongues. He said, you better pull over. What? He's driving. He's praying in tongues. Out comes up out of his spirit. You better pull over. Well, guess what? He listened to it. And if he hadn't pulled over two minutes later, his wheel would have blown out at 65 miles an hour. And it would have caused a whole lot more mess. But he was able to pull over and avoid it. Because the Spirit of God was working. Amen? Say the anointing is the catalyst for change. Let me just share this with you real quick. I just wrote down a few things. This is just a, a small portion. In Christ you are fearless, bold, strong, able, unstoppable, and equipped. In Christ you are the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You are righteousness. You are made righteous by putting your faith in Christ. You can rejoice in God through Christ. Christ will help you rejoice. Ha, ha, ha. Romans 5.17, you can receive abundance of grace and righteousness through Christ. Romans 5.21, we have eternal life through Christ. Romans 6.4, we can live habitually in a new life in Christ. Romans 6.11, we are alive to God and in fellowship uh, with him through Christ. Romans 8.1, we are free from condemnation and a guilty verdict and God's punishment through Christ. You avoided God's punishment because of Christ. You avoided a guilty verdict because of Christ. Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death. Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies in Christ. All believers are one body in Christ. We're brothers and sisters from different mothers. Hallelujah. We have open access to all of God's promises in Christ. In, all of God's promises are yes and amen. Where? In Christ. God establishes, confirms, and anoints us in Christ. I was confirmed as a Catholic, but God confirmed me as a child. We are crucified with Christ, and Christ lives in me. It's no longer I that live, but I live the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. We are adopted by God as his children through Christ. So Christ is the key to everything. Christ is the catalyst to change. Amen? I don't care if, if you need to make a slight change. Christ is the catalyst for change. Did you know that one step in the right direction is a good step? In order to start a trip, you've got to start going. You can't just stay in your driveway for two hours and say, I'm going. My engine's running, but I'm going. No, you're not going. You're in the driveway. Put it in gear and get on the road. That's what some Christians do. They got it in gear. They're in the driveway, and they're waiting for God to come, and he's, he's telling them to go. See, God will meet you in faith. Faith is moving. Faith is an action. 
Faith just doesn't sit on a log and wait for God to come by. No, faith cries out. Faith shouts. Faith stands up. Faith takes a step. Faith does something. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, everything that she heard about Jesus, she could have stayed in her house. Oh, well, that's just great news. Maybe Jesus will come by my house. He wasn't planning on coming by her house. She had to go to him. Why? She had to touch his garment. Because that's what she said. When she heard of Jesus, she said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. She could have said, Jesus, God sent Jesus to my house. But she said, touch his clothes. So guess what? When you make a statement with your mouth, you've got to back it up with your faith. So you've got to be careful what you say with your mouth. Because if, if you're not willing to back it up with your faith, it's void. It's vain. Amen? What you say with your mouth, you've got to be willing to back up with your faith. If you believe that God is a healer, then and if you have hands laid on you and you're healed, then you've got to say, I'm healed. You've got you to you just claim it. Speak it. Amen? Agree with the anointing. Hallelujah. If you need to make a slight change in your life tonight, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I don't care. All I know is the anointing is here to help you change. And if you want to make a change in your life, change is open right now. We have change in the house of God. You can be a quick change artist. You ever see those? They change clothes in like seconds. Your situation. How many believe that your situation can change? Your pain can leave your body. Things that were restricted for movement can be unrestricted. Amen? That's what the anointing does. Hallelujah. There's refreshing in the anointing. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I give you thanks and praise for the anointing of God. I command whatever yoke has been on him to be destroyed in the name of Jesus and for that burden to be loosed right now through the power of God. Faith in his name activates.